Bro, on the weekends, I found that me not drinking has made my life so much better. Like, I'm not saying I don't drink, but I used to drink all the time. But then now, bro, it takes me like a couple days to recover. And so now I just don't hang out with my friends who want to drink because I just don't <laughs> bounce back fast enough. Bro. I just not, I'm not built for it anymore. Welcome to the Winning Move podcast. We have my friend on today, Michael McDonald. Mike, you hit 100-something deals last year, right? Just shy, 93. Just shy of 100 deals, and you did it all virtually, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really leave my the what you're seeing right here at all. Bro, Just from home, that's yeah. That's dope as fuck. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you guys are going to learn a ton from him. Let's start off, bro. I, I don't even know about your story. How did you even get into real estate? Yeah, so I think that's a good place to start. So I think my story is probably pretty comparable to a lot of people in the fact that I did seek out education. I didn't really know it at the time, but my buddy hit me up and he's like, hey, man, come check out this uh, three-day or this free workshop downtown. I'm like, cool. Um, you know, my job's not paying me much. In fact, I was barely making it by at the time. Graduated college, put myself into some debt. And I showed up to this workshop and they're like, yeah, make money in real estate with little to no money down. I'm like, cool. I like the sound of this. Know nothing about real estate. Family doesn't have a background in, in real estate or business at all. And the rest is history because I bought the two-day event, which was a couple grand, no big deal. Didn't have the money. I put it on a credit card. My buddy's like, yeah, I'll split it with you. I'm like, cool. So we we did that. Showed up to the next event and I found myself calling my wife uh, Strat about ready to make a decision to let them raise 25 grand to, to put that on credit too that I didn't have. And so called my wife. Oh, yeah. She said, I trust you. Um, obviously, it's like a real estate degree, right? Like just yep. buy it and don't look back and go all in. So I did that. And I get home from the event. I think this is really important because I, I was fired up after this. And my wife's like, hey, you know, I didn't want to tell you while you were at the event, but I'm expecting and here's the pregnancy test. And oh, man, dude, I all of these Luckily emotions held it, bro, because I don't uh, think you would have done it if she would have told you I wouldn't have done it because it was just too risky, right? Like, that's just that's a lot of uh, money when you don't have any money in your bank account. And that was like five years ago and failed my way forward, man. The first six months, you know, I followed everything that they were telling me to do, but I was offering on the MLS and like, okay. I, I didn't have the right approach. And I, that was when the market was kind of crazy and it just wasn't working. And um, found a mentor local who was actually a mentor for Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki. We get to see him next week. Pumped about that. And uh, he showed me how to negotiate. He showed me how to find off market deals. And it's been game over ever since then. You know, I uh, did full uh, real estate wholesaling full or part time for about a year before my wife looked at me and she says, "You're burned out. Like you either get go full time or you stop because you made more money part time wholesaling than you made at your full time job." And I'm like, "Well, we still have like thirty thousand dollars of credit cards." And how are we going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I had all these excuses, all these limiting beliefs. She's like, let's just sell the house. I'm like, sell the house. Like this is our, this is the American dream. We just bought this house like two years ago. Right. And long story short, man, the, there's a lot more in that story, but uh, we sold the house and yeah, it's just, 
it's just crazy looking back because obviously Did I was in Nebraska at that time. It? Not really. I mean, I think we made like 20 in two years. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was nice and a little appreciation. Um, but that was just enough to pretty much pay off the last credit card and then give us a little bit of cushion, maybe three, four months of income and um, quit the job. And literally the day my money hit the bank account from the house sale. Um, what were you doing for work, bro? Yeah. So I, it's funny. Cause I went to school for uh, nutrition. Okay. So, so I was working as a dietetic technician at a hospital and dude, I'll never forget the day that I asked one of the dietitians who had their master's degree. I only have my associate's degree for that job. I was like, how much money are you guys making? Like, I want to know. Cause I'm considering going to get my master's degree in nutrition. Cause I want to be a dietitian. And they're like, oh, we're only making like 45 or 50K. And I'm like, what? Like you're, you're making 45 or 50K and you have six years of education at a university? That was That's the day, man. Wild. I that, was like- That clicked for you? Not for me. Yeah, not for me. Oh my God. Six years of education costs you 20 grand a year at least. At least. Probably a lot so more now. Right. I mean, so let's call it 30. What's three times six? I don't even know. I don't do public math. Whatever that number is. And then we got to drop that down to like, you're only bringing in half of that in actual income. So you're only able to like fucking pay down off of 45,000, but you're able to pay off like $500 if that of debt a month. And that is significantly cutting into your living expenses. Yeah. Yeah. People do that stuff, dude. Bro, that's that's wild. I've just never actually had a job. Yeah. I I did, man. And it was um my when I found out my daughter was on the way, I'm like, this is not gonna cut it. Like yep. I, I was I wasn't even making enough money to really live life. Like I was just making enough money to feed my family and like not good, like cheap, you know, Walmart stuff. Like yeah. it, it it was Things are a lot different now, man, but I, I heard your story and like really resonated with me because I didn't realize how bad you actually like how low it got for you. It's crazy. And it doesn't uh, mine wasn't like that, but crazy, crazy, dude. I mean, I feel like everybody has a crazy story, though, you know, because I personally believe the people who are going to make it are going to make it. Yeah, it could, your story could have gotten as crazy gotten crazier than mine and you still would have fucking done it yeah you know because like you like made the decision to like nah bro this is what we're doing and so like nothing else really matters after that you're just figuring it out how to execute and get to where you want to go to where i get at the point in time bro it's just like oh yeah like it's pretty bad but like this is where i'm going and you kind of just like live with it right because i'm sure yours got some pretty crazy points and you're like yeah this is what it is it really sucks but i know where i'm going yeah I mean, let's just put it this way. Um, I was putting a few hundred bucks a month on credit cards for marketing expenses to buy Hell yeah. to buy post stamps. Um, it was to the point where the minimum interest, in, interest only, not even interest, like just the minimum payment, it was 0% interest for a year and a half. Yep. Those payments were like 800 bucks. Damn. Dude, I, I, my mortgage was a thousand. I think I was making like 2,300 bucks a month at the time. 
And my wife was determined that she was going to leave her job when she was going to keep our kid at home. And like the bills were stacking up. Let's just oh, put some pressure, bro. So she, told you she so wants much. to be a stay at home mom. She's like, yeah, I want to be a stay at home mom. She said that. Yep. I want to be a stay at home mom. And um, that was right around the time she started. She was really close to having her daughter in, in October. And that was right around the time where she's like, all right, you got your first deal. This is pretty cool. Like we made some real money. We made 20,000 on the first wholesale deal, bought us some breathing room. And she's like, I think we can do this. And I'm like, I think so too, but this is still really scary. You know? Bro. Yeah. That's sketch. That's sketch. <laughs> oh man. Look, Cause Kalani is always, so for me, Kalani has always been there really since the beginning. And when I first, when I first got going and like me and Zeno got really bad and I like get a point in time, like we were homeless, we moved in with her, but she had a six figure job at that time. Like she graduated college with two degrees and got a job at like one of the largest grocery stores in the country, in the world, actually leading wow. like their entire Northern California expansion. But I mean, when you live in California and you make six figures, it's still not shit. You know what I'm saying? When you're fucking feeding off of everybody else. And then my dumb ass is like, no, I'm, I'm wholesaling. I'm wholesaling. This is what I'm doing. And she had to cover um, us for a while. So like, I get that, bro. Tori, like, it's all on you. Um, when did you meet your partner? Yeah, that's a good question. So I wholesaled probably six houses to him before we decided to join forces. But I cold called him. Um, okay. I was I was on the streets, man. I was knocking doors. I was. <laughs> I've never told anybody this before, but this is this is crazy. This is how determined I was. Do you know those like little mailing labels? Like you just like put on postcards or whatever. Mm -hmm. I I had printed off hundreds of them, and I went and got a couple hundred bucks of cash. And I was sticking little labels on cash and paying for stuff with them, hoping that somebody would see my company's name or just like I buy houses and call it off of a dollar out of the store. It was the most ridiculous thing. That's creative, though. Yeah, That's I mean, creative. it was creative, but um, <laughs> back backtracking. I mean, basically, I cold called him and he's like dude, this guy's onto something. You know, he, he seems pretty motivated. He's like, I want to quit my job. You're telling me that you want to quit your job. You told me what your goals are. Um, we kind of got to know each other a little bit more. And then, like I said, we did business together. I had wholesaled him six deals uh, that first year. And we started having serious conversations around, hey, why don't we just partner up? You know, you're good at finding the deals. I, I know how to flip these properties. And um, so we did, we did uh, the beginning of 2019, we partnered up. Okay. Okay. Beginning of 2019. And so did you start off more flipping and then you tapered it off or what did that look like? No. So, well, yeah, actually we did. We started, we started flipping a lot more because we, we, we needed to maximize those deals because neither one of us had a job four months into 2020 or sorry, 2019. And so we're like, each giving the company a thousand bucks of our own personal capital a month for marketing and uh, took us a couple months to get our first deal. But once we did, uh, then we started cherry picking because it was either we wholesale make 10 or we flip it and make 20 or 30 or even 40. And so, um, yeah, we ended up buying, I would say from about May of 2019 all the way through 20, 
2020, we bought probably 25 houses and then we wholesaled about 15 that year. And so we had flips, like we had too much inventory. We, we, we pretty much just overbought just because we like, we wanted to keep, keep them going and ramped up. And we were kind of like, we don't even really know if we're going to be making money on these. So we just kept pushing the needle because that's just what you do when you start a business. Like you just got to go. Revenue is important. Right. Did you sell off any of them just like because you got overwhelmed or no? Yeah, we, we probably sold a few of them as is um, because the market called for it. So we could, and then a hand, you know, the rest of them, we actually remodeled and put, put a good amount of money into and then flipped them. But some of those flips dude took a year, like straight up a year. Yeah. Did you break even on the, well, no, because the market was still going up like this. So they carried you essentially because a year long flip bro on a house because your price points aren't super high over there. No, uh, some of the houses, I mean, most of the houses were a hundred thousand ballpark or less and we'd exit around 200. So, um, the market was definitely in our favor. Like it, it helped us out on some of those otherwise holding costs would have crushed us because we were borrowing hard money at that time for every one uh, of them. Really? So no private money lenders. You guys just put your own money down. The first year we put, um, probably a couple private money lenders, but everything else was pretty much hard. Um, and yeah, then after that, it was like, okay, well, we're not doing that again. Cause like we, we saw how much money we paid out in interest and, and then we started raising me about this. Yeah. Yeah. So then we started raising more money. Um, that year, dude, I bought a 21 plex, um, with hard money and yeah. And, uh, it ended up being a quick flip. I owned it for two weeks. I had it pre-sold before I even bought it, but I took a pretty big risk on it because one of the buildings was burned down completely. Um, just to have some fun with the numbers here, I bought that property for, I think it was like five, if I remember right, 515 versus 21 units, 21 doors. So fathom that real quick. Do the math on that. That's insanely cheap. I uh, I sold it for 575 and didn't lift a finger. And I feel like you could have got more out of that. I left so much money on the table, bro. You like, left so much money on the table. What? But one of the buildings was pretty much burned down. So, I mean, like we were really down, getting like to a crisp crisp. How, um, how like 10 of the units? No, all of them. So, so well, they were like three, how many seven, units were burnt down. There were three, three seven, seven units and it was one seven plex that was completely burned down. And it was in like a prime location. Dude, check this out. The guy who bought it from me has it listed for 1.8 right now. For sure. 1.8. For sure. All right, let's do it. Let's do this. So what is that? 515 divided by 14. Bro, that's still 36K a door. I don't care where you are. That's a deal. And then if we go 515 divided by 21. Bro, 24K a door? Yeah. So anyway, I that mean, was a good that was a good list. for though. He hasn't I mean, sold it. Sat on that thing for a while. Oh, he yeah, he he took probably a good year and a half to get it all up to where it needed to be. It was completely it was pretty run down. I'm not gonna lie. Like it was just it was a project that I had no business getting involved with at that time. Um but he hasn't sold it. 
he'll sell it and he's probably you know renting and making some decent cash flow on it but uh yeah man that was that was a crazy crazy deal that i took the risk on with hard money but honestly the way i look at it is like you can either get into the deal or you can just not have the opportunity and so i was willing to spend 13 grand for two weeks worth of money yep. to get into that deal <laughs> what would you have done differently on that deal I would have found the buyer myself. I ended up joint venturing with the, the guy, uh, a guy on that deal. And when it was all said and done, we split it a few different ways. And I took majority of the risk and I probably made about half, you know, not even half the pro I think I made a third of the profit or less because I had oh more I had expenses. So I, I really, I took way too much risk on that deal and, and made far less money than I should have, but you don't know what you don't know. And like, I, I'm not greedy. And so I uh -huh. was more than happy to just like, hey, this is an opportunity. It's a lesson. Couldn't have done it without these guys. So, you exactly. know. Exactly. But that's a really good learning lesson, bro. 100%. Yeah, because that's way too much risk. So you risked all that. So you risked essentially your net worth at that time. Because if that would have gone south, it's your net worth. Yeah. You would have for like $15,000. Yeah. It was like, yeah, 18, 19,000. That's crazy. It was worth it though, because you can say you took it down. You had to go through that whole process. I was uh, on title for two weeks, and the interest would have. I mean, the interest would have crushed the whole the whole deal. I probably would have been scrambling if the buyer would have backed out. Like it was, looking back, dude, it was so much risk. I should have never taken the property down. Like under my name, I should have had the more experienced person who wanted yeah. in on the deal take the property down. Exactly. <laughs> or you should have just wholesaled it. Uh, yeah, we we were trying to. Um, the seller was, oh, dude, he he barely even showed up to closing. He was very like skittish the whole time. Couldn't get into the units. He lived out of town. Um, barely had any commun like he he wouldn't communicate with us. It was a weird deal. Like it, it there was a language barrier. Um. And that's why huh. I called in, I called in one of my buddies who his wife uh, was Vietnamese and, and like, he helped me find the buyer because they could have at least some sort of, you know, rapport and connection. Right. But oh my God. it was a, it was a dog of a deal, dude. When was this? That was 2019. That was like the first year of being full time that, that, that deal could have completely derailed everything yeah, we had going on at the time. Back from. That would have been yeah. a bitch to come back from. You know and what's funny? Would have piled. Oh, yeah, dude. It Simultaneously to that, Ryan and I, my business partner, we bought 18 units that we actually still, like, we hold, we held. And mm -hmm. that was a project. Like, we put a couple hundred thousand into that project in, in itself. And that thing took probably a year and a half to get up to speed. We ended up selling, there were three sixplexes. We ended up selling one of them. And it happened to be, like, pretty much right next door to this other one. Like, literally across the street. Um, but that was a crazy deal too. Um, bro, that's crazy. What's your goal? Are you trying to buy more apartments? Like, what are you trying to do, dude? Yeah, man, I want to buy more apartments. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I figured out to this point how to find deals. Um, you know, we're, we're good at it, know how to find deals, but it's transactional. You know, I, I don't really care to 
flip a hundred houses. Like I want that business running if I report to it or not. Like I just, I, I just want it to go and pump out cash and then cherry pick opportunities. And in the background, I want to be buying storage units. I want to be scaling multifamily. That's the end game for me because I, I want that residual, that passive income that um, is going to buy me that freedom that I think all of us start real estate to do, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know anybody who gets into real estate to say they want to be the biggest wholesaler in the country. Everybody gets into it saying that they want to own rentals. Yeah. I mean, if you did, it's probably because you found out how much work that actually was going to take um, and then change your mind. Like I, I told myself when I first started, I'm like, I'm going to be the biggest wholesaler yep. in Nebraska. And I feel like we've accomplished that. Um, I feel like we've, we've proved it. Okay. Got that chip off my shoulder. Now it's on to the next thing. Like, that's cool. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> cares at this point. <laughs> Um, whose program did you buy at the beginning? All right. So it's a little bit confusing. Um, do you know how these celebrities use the name, like their name? So, yeah. you know, who Doug Hopkins is. Yep. It was his name on there. Cause he was the TV guy. It was Doug Hopkins, real estate success formula, but the company was Xerox. Xerox was a huge company that had all of these different faces and names that they, they used for these events that they'd fly into town. And that was the company. Uh, I think they were based out of Utah. They're no longer in business. Really? And I don't, is Doug still doing education? I don't know if Doug's doing education. I know at a point in time, he was huge. What, what, so what was your biggest learning experience in the first two years? Besides that nasty deal. I mean... We're still learning, you know, uh, we don't have it entirely figured out, but I think one of the biggest lessons is just to figure out how to delegate and delegate fast. I spent so much ridiculous time on data. I spent so much time on trying to figure out, you know, like crack the code on like what list and what uh, method to call and reach them. At the end of the day, there's no like, there's really no trade secrets, man. Like it, it, it all works. It's just predictability in like spending the money and knowing that this marketing channel this year should produce this result. And so I, I wouldn't waste my time like overanalyzing all of the mini minuscule details. I would, I would just um, learn it and then delegate it out and then just trust the process and find the marketing channel that's going to produce me the highest result, the quickest. And in the beginning, you have to you have to be kind of scrappy. You have to, unless you just have a bunch of capital backing you up. You know, yeah. some people do. We didn't. Um, but now we just spend money on marketing channels that feed leads into our business. We don't we don't we don't take as much time to to go reach out. I know obviously it works. Um, you have a company that services you know that clientele, so it obviously works. But for us, it just, it, we, it makes more sense for us because it's just, we spend more money and we know what to expect on the marketing, like mm -hmm. what the ROI is going to be. Um, and so you primarily do what? TV, PPC? Yeah. All inbound though, is what we talked about. Majority. Yeah. We do some direct mail too. Okay. Which one's your favorite and why? 
I like PPC, man. Uh, I like PPC the most because those people are ready to sell. And yep. there's the sales process is pretty fast. The cash conversion cycle is pretty fast. There's not a whole lot of nurturing and, and messing around with those leads. When they come in, they're pretty much ready to go. As long as you have a salesperson who knows what's, what they're doing, they can pretty much make that deal happen. Exactly. Um, yeah, higher conversions. Done. What masterminds are you in right now? So I'm in Investor Fuel. So I've been in, I was in an Avengers for a year. Um, Avengers mastermind. Only a year? I didn't renew and I could have. I, I just chose not to because I, I wanted to join another mastermind, which I'll talk about here in a second, that um, is more in line with where I'm heading as yeah. far as um, the next phase for me as a real estate investor. And that group blew up when when Cody Sperber put on his uh, event out here in, in Vegas. And um, it became a little less you know intimate. Uh, I, I was on calls like the early, early days. I was like one of the first, probably like one of the first, probably 25, 30 members of Avengers. And like, wow. dude, the calls that we had, the Zoom calls like this were just powerful. Like it was a very open like conversation like this. Now there's just so many people on there and it's like that's what makes them hard, bro. That's you can't you can't interact. Well, and they're bro, they're there to make money. Like I have my own mastermind. I do it because I like helping people and I get to help people and make money. But yeah. at the same time, like you got to be very cognitive because as soon as you fucking blow it up it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And, and it's still great. Like I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the people that are still in there that I met, mm -hmm. but um, it was just time for something else. And, you know, investor feel was a good fit at the time when I decided not to renew. And plus that was with Ryan and I needed to get him out of his shell. I needed to get Ryan out uh, into the world to see what's going on out there, you know, get, get out of Nebraska a little bit. So I did that. And, uh, now I'm talking to Matt, uh, Matt about family, family Go mastermind. Do it. do it. I'm going to, yeah. So that's the next phase for me. And it just makes sense for me because I love helping people. I love networking. I love collaboration over competition. It's an abundant world out there. Wholesaling is not that difficult. It just takes, it takes becoming a really good leader to run a successful wholesaling business. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Bro, you'll love the family because I'm in there. Um, and I'm so I'm guessing you're joining for the education stuff. And bro, it's crazy. Like their marketing calls are crazy. Because like we think we know marketing and we really just cold call. Like, but we've never run ads. Like we've never had to set up funnels. Um, like, bro, there's a dude, and the, the dude who leads the marketing calls is like talking about how they did a million dollar day, <laughs> you know, to where it's like really crazy on the ad spend side, but you'll like it. I love Matt. The calls are awesome. Like they're really insightful. It's more like marketing space, but it's, it'll be right up your alley, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. And and I talked to Matt for like 30 minutes. The first time I, I did a call with him, I'm like, I love this guy already. Like, right, bro, he's a great dude. He, yeah. So I'm stoked about that one. That'll probably be, I'm looking at March. I'm looking at okay. March getting in there. 
Are you going to go to the event? I think that was a plan. I think it's in Tampa, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I was probably going to join right before the event. That way I can join a Zoom call, see everyone, get to meet everyone a little bit, and then show up and, yeah, do that do that uh, Tampa event. Um. So we got that. Are you at any other ones? Not at the moment, no. That's it. And then, but you do have your own coaching. What made you want to do that? I've always had Besides a passion. Besides the money. Yeah, the, it's not about the money for me. I mean, I know people say that. Don't get me wrong. When I hear somebody talk about making a million dollars a day, like I think that's going to turn anybody's head. Um, we, we know that's not going to just happen overnight. So no. it for me, dude, it was like I had newbies reaching out to me. They're like, like, what are you doing? How, how are you doing these deals like so frequently? And I just like helped a few people. I took a 20 year old at the time who reached out to me. Um, he quit his job. He went full time. He's 21 years old. He's crushing his wholesaling business. Like that's a life changing dude. And like now we're best friends. Like, yeah, he's a lot younger than me, but we're best friends. And I don't know, like some of the people that I've met through helping them, it's been life changing for them, but it's life changing for me too, because it's so fulfilling to watch that. Yep. So that's why I do it. But, um, I, I had no idea what I was doing when I was helping them. It was so unorganized. There was no structure to it. And then, uh, about a year ago, I decided, you know what? I need help. So I'm going to hire a coach to help me coach. Like I'm going to hire a consultant to help me set this all up to where there's some rhyme and reason, some offers that make sense, yeah. some structure behind this. And a year ago, yeah, I paid that guy. He helped me set it all up. And now we actually have something very digestible uh, for either a very new beginner or somebody who wants to you know, start a business and, and scale to you know, some employees, some acquisition managers, so on and so forth. Um, we're at about 10 employees right now. And so you know, there's for the person who's a hustler, wants to do by themselves. And then I have an offer for, for somebody who wants to set up a business. Yeah, bro, that's awesome. But I do it. Yeah, but you like, do it. I, you know, we, we can make $20,000 a deal. So for me to, you know, think about it, all the money that I can make in, in the coaching, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of money to be made, but it's like, it's not about the money, man. It's about the impact. Help more people, do more deals together. It's a win-win. The collaboration thing is awesome. Oh, and, and you do get good deal flow. I mean, Pace Morby has his pick of the litter for any subject to deal he wants to buy i would say so yeah <laughs> yeah no doubt dude no doubt oh, so what did 2020 look like for you guys like so let's talk 2020 through 2022 like how did you guys like really start like pushing and when yeah. did you start doing real volume yeah so man I, what i did is i i just i i found the biggest players and i just started asking them questions i'm like how much money do you guys spend on marketing? Like what, what kind of channels are you doing? How are you doing it? <clears throat> What's your team look like? And the biggest, loudest, like simple thing was, is they were just spending more money. Bro. Yeah. They were just simply spending more money to make more money. And <clears throat> it makes sense because you get an ROI on a marketing channel, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put this many dollars into the machine, um, as long as you know what you're doing and how to handle those leads, 
uh, it should spit back X amount of dollars. And so uh, to put it simply, dude, all we did is we, we hired admin. We got the transactional stuff off our plate, like all the paperwork junk. We hired VAs. We got all of the, the data stuff off our plate. And we plugged more money into marketing. And as more money came in, we started really tracking the, those numbers. And pretty soon we just uh, started spending more. And like now we're at the threshold where in a market that's a little bit shaky, it's kind of uncomfortable, you know, like when you're spending a couple thousand dollars in the beginning a month, that's scary. But when you're spending 45 or 50,000 a month, yeah. Um, in a shaky market, that's really scary too. So nothing really changes except for the numbers just get bigger. And um you just you just gotta be more on you know sharp. You gotta close those gaps. Every deal counts, and it's not about you know making fifty thousand dollar check and going and buying a Ferrari. It's like, no, let's make a fifty thousand dollar check so we can pay the 10 employees. Let's make another fifty thousand dollar check so we can pay for the marketing. And then we can make $50,000 to pay ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, I think there's a lot of like fluff in the, in the industry, you a know, ton. about, about how much people are really making. Um, it's dude, it's like, there's overhead in businesses like that. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's an easy way for people. I mean, but we see it, right. We think it's only in the real estate space. When you think about all the fucking e-commerce gurus, Right, you think about all the ecom dudes. There's all sorts of different internet people who say, "Hey, we made a million dollars this year," and then I mean, e-commerce company runs at like a ten percent profit margin. You know? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So you live and you learn, bro. Um, how did you? Where did you find your first acquisition rep, and what was your hardest part about training them and onboarding them, and then maintaining your acquisitions reps? Yeah, yeah, that dude. That's been there's been a lot of lessons learned. I think our first one came from just a Indeed ad or something like that. And at the time we were not even like, we were still doing virtual. This guy lived in Montana and he was doing acquisitions for our company in Nebraska. And um, so, yeah, he just applied and, you know, didn't know what we were doing, had a quick interview, like, Oh, sounds good. Let's hire him. And he lasted, I think, maybe five months, probably four months too long. And mm -hmm. um, it, it didn't didn't work out, but found him on Indeed. And then what was your other question, other part to well, that? How did you know you're supposed to fire him? What makes you say it was four months too long? Uh, just a lot of closable opportunities, wasn't getting the job done. And so knowing what I know now, I would have been able to see that a lot quicker as far as like what numbers to look for and all that. But we were just simply making decisions off of like, Hey, you had this many opportunities and you didn't close these deals. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just time to switch it up. And so what ended up happening is we, we realized that having somebody in our local market would have been more valuable. Mm -hmm. And so we transitioned him to a virtual market. We plugged in five cold callers and we're like, Hey, good luck. And like, obviously we knew what the results were going to be. We were, we were hoping we could set him up for success and just have it, an extra market, but he just got burned out. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to make it through that transition. And so 
Uh, long story short, we wasted some money to do that rather than just saying, see you later, um, because this isn't working out. But we found a guy who was local to Omaha and he had experience in insurance sales. And if you know okay. anything about insurance, that's a pretty cutthroat business. Yeah, they are closers, bro. They are yeah. closers. 100%. And so he was making a pretty decent, you know, I think even a bait, eh, there's a lot of commission, but he was making a pretty decent salary. And I just remember um, having to sell him, dude. I, I had to sell him really hard on why you should come work for us. And I showed him our tax return because he didn't believe us as far as how, how much money we made. Cause I was like, Hey, you know, you could probably expect to have this much commission on this much revenue. And so he started doing his homework, asking people in real estate in the market, like, Hey, what about this Michael guy? Is he, is he legit? And, you know, as I would expect, people had good things to say and uh, showed him the tax return. And he's like, I'm in cool. So we got him in and, uh, kind of just won, won it at first, didn't really have a great onboarding process. I think we plugged into John Martinez and had him attending those trainings. And then um, he's been with us ever since, bro. Oh, that's dope. Been with us ever since. One or two? We have three right now. Three. Three full-time acquisitions. How many leads managers do you have? Three. Three, so each one gets one? Yep. About how many leads does it take for you guys to keep that person busy, the acquisitions rep? Oh, that's a tough one to answer. Um, I mean, we're still playing around with it because we just brought the third one on. So right now we're pretty active in about three markets and some markets bring in a little bit more business, but I mean, we're probably 10, 10 leads a day per acquisition okay. agent to keep them pretty busy. Of them just being on the phone, working them, no dead time. Yeah, no no dead time. And if there is dead time, they're calling through the database. Okay. Well, that's yep. awesome. Um, so you started scaling up. Which one? So PPC is your favorite marketing channel. When did you start doing TV? And do you run your own PPC? Yeah, good question. So I started running my own PPC about a year, probably two years ago. Um, after I realized that the account didn't change. Um, it didn't seem like it changed at least. And, and plus I started studying it and I think I bought a course that Sean Terry put out about nationwide wholesaling. And I'm like, this is so easy. Like this isn't even that hard. And so we have spent a lot of money on PPC, uh, probably a couple hundred grand, you know, over the last couple of years. And, and it's been, it's been awesome. Like we're getting a six X return on it. It's been a huge hit. Uh, TV, we've been doing TV for about a year and a half, mm -hmm. probably. And, uh, we started in two markets. So there's Lincoln and there's Omaha. They're like 45 minutes apart. We wanted to cover both of those stations. So we're running TV pretty much across the entire state. And then as of just probably four months ago, we started up in, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Really? Yeah, we're still testing it. Uh, it. It is bad timing, honestly, because that's yeah, bad timing. Not only is the market like pretty much at a pause. Uh, Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Political season. Competing with that. It's zero degrees and, and blizzarding. Like it, it, 
we didn't really put a whole lot of like planning into it. Yeah. We just like talked to Tony. And we're like, Hey, you want to partner up on a market? We're like, sure, let's do it. And so we did. And uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, the investment is like little to nothing for TV exposure. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're thinking like, who's, who's really doing running business that. in Sioux Falls. Yeah. Like who's running TV for that, like for, for buying houses. And so we, we thought we could come in and make a pretty good uh, impact. And, and we have, um, it's been about a deal month. It's not, it's nothing to write home about. It'll pay for What's itself. The median price point over there, bro. It's actually probably pretty comparable to Nebraska. It's really, I mean, we're talking this, the biggest city. Mm-hmm. Like when we get into these small towns, we're, we're buying them for 500 bucks. You know what I mean? Like we bought a house those for 500 hard. bucks last year. Anything, any of those small ones, I've never really been able to make money because they usually need so much work. They'd have to give me money to buy it because the construction, the construction cost never changes is what I've found. Like construction right. stays pretty much the same for like one time. We were looking at a house in Mobile, Alabama. She only wanted like a couple grand for it. And I ran the numbers. I was like, it still won't work. Like the ARV is too low. Yeah. Yeah. So the meeting price is probably like two, two fifty. Oh wow. So it's it's so fairly a killing on that house, is what you're telling me. <clears throat> that house, um, I'm pretty sure we actually dropped a contract that was five hundred bucks once. We made you dropped it, like you just we, couldn't give us home. We couldn't sell it in the middle of nowhere. And um, we did buy one in a bigger city for a thousand last year and we sold it for twenty for cash. Um so that was pretty cool. And I, I asked the guy, I was like, Hey, how bad do you want to get rid of this house? And he was like, well, if I don't get rid of this city, he's going to like tear down and like send me the bill for the tear down. I was like, okay, well, how bad do you want to get rid of it? Like, do you have money to pay me for the house? Like, do you, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do here? Like, it was more of a joke. And then he's like, I just like, give me a thousand bucks for it. I'm good. I'm like, cool. So got a thousand. We actually closed it and then turned around and sold it to a person who, that was a deal, dude. That that guy ended up buying it and he found out it was zoned commercial and the city like wouldn't even let him like fix it up. And he was like coming back to us and like saying, Hey, this house wasn't even a house that I could really even fix. Um crazy deal. And I felt terrible. I'm like, you know, I don't know. That's like, a part of their own due diligence, though, bro. I know, but it's like, this is probably the guy's last 20,000. You know what I mean? Like it was probably his last 20,000 bucks. He's probably like had 20 for the house. He probably had like 10 for the, the materials and he was going to do the work. It was, it was a really crazy deal. But I mean, the bottom line is like these towns, like you said, the house is worth 50. It needs 45. You buy it for, for a thousand. What are you going to make 4,000 bucks? Like over a year. It's not even worth it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it's not worth it unless you find somebody like that. Like who's not to, you know, dupe anybody, but it's like, hey, here's an opportunity if you want to buy it. Great. You know. Oh my God. Yeah. That's I have so many stories. I mean, you have stories for days, but dude, like some of these, some of these houses are just crazy. We've also made a lot of money in some really small towns. Like I'll put them back. Six figure deals. Flipped, we've flipped a few. We've made six figures on a couple um, flips in small towns before. 
and we've novated one um, in in a on a on an acreage actually, and that was a seventy thousand dollar deal. That's a good one. That was a good one, but uh, can't sleep on them either. You know, acreages are desirable. Like yeah, if you can find anything so. on an acreage, they're very desirable. Um, why did you decide to go only inbound, and when did you decide to do that? At that time, our team was really small, and I think I had a acquisition manager, and then I was somewhat handling inbound leads, like, and helping my acquisition manager at that time. We didn't really have a great lead manager. Um, mistake. I would have hired a lead manager first, probably, and then um, it was just burning him out. You know, he he was talking to he he had the choice to pick between the hot leads that we already spent the money for and the, the leads that were just like a one in a 60 type of scenario. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I thought at the industry standards were at that time. And it just became a no brainer. It was like, well, it's cheaper to do this other method, but our acquisition manager is doing a really good job of closing these other ones. So why don't we just like keep his focus on that? Um, as you continue to scale and grow, you can have another channel running in the background, you know, of the outreach stuff because, mm -hmm. because you have the people to do it. But I think the biggest decision was, is just, we didn't, we didn't really want to mess with it. Okay. Um, how important has your wife been throughout this whole time? Dude, like it's been, she's been everything. Honestly, it, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And the reason that is, is because not every spouse is going to be as supportive as our spouses probably were in our relationship. Um, and I can't speak for everyone. This is just me hearing other people say, well, my wife thinks this is risky or, or whatever the case may be. Yep. Like if my wife would have doubted me, dude, I wouldn't have quit my job. I wouldn't have invested in the mentorship. And I probably wouldn't have kept going because it was really hard in the beginning. Like I had, well, I would have because I had decided, but you, you get the drift, right? Like it was, exactly. it was that important. Oh, Brian, it's everything. It's the number one thing. I think it's, if you're a young guy, as you are picking whatever this person is, they better be on board or else you won't win. I personally just don't think you will, you'll win. Your life will be in shambles. It would be so difficult. Like what we do running a business, I don't care if I'm sitting in my home office right now. Like what we do is not for everyone. Like there's a lot of risk that gets taken when you're running a business and it requires a lot of time and interruptions sometimes. And obviously as you continue to grow, you can really determine those boundaries. But um, if she wasn't supportive of the late nights, the early mornings, you know, the mist, uh, whatever on the weekends, like the time when people want to hang out and chill, um, yep. then it just wouldn't happen because that was the time that I was building this business. Exactly. Well, on the weekends, I found that me not drinking has made my life so much better. Like, I'm not saying I don't drink, but I used to drink all the time. But then now, bro, it takes me like a couple of days to recover. And so now I just don't hang out with my friends who want to drink because I just don't <laughs> bounce back fast enough. Or I just not, I'm not built for it anymore. Yeah. 
honestly, that was a big thing for me. Like, that's what we did on the weekends. Like Nebraska football, we'd go tailgate yeah. and have fun. Yeah, go tailgate, drink yeah. some beer, have a good time. And so I had to shut that down. You know, I had to make some sacrifices. I lost, um, I, I would say my childhood friends, a couple of them at the time, um, they were partying. They were, you know, they were doing stupid stuff on the weekends. And my wife tried telling me, she's like, you're really starting to act like them. Like, why are you, why are you doing this stupid stuff? And I'm like, what do you mean? No, I'm not like, I'm different. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, you're not. You're actually doing exactly what they're doing. And I, I, uh, you don't realize it when you're in the mix of it, but when you step out and you pull yourself out of that lifestyle and cycle, it's like, yeah, that was not benefiting me. I started reading books. I started listening to podcasts. I started like actually working on myself and it, um, it made the biggest difference. Like it's been a game changer. Why did you choose to move to Vegas? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> out of all places, right? Like you want to stop partying, move to Vegas, right? Yeah, move to Vegas, bro. You'll be fine. So it was um, actually pretty much nothing tied us down. I got the approval from the business partner and my wife's sister had lived here and she loved it. She was like, you guys would love it out here. Like the lifestyle is amazing. Um, you have hiking, you have mountains all around. You have California. So the first Christmas we went out to California for Christmas. It was amazing. And um, there's pools everywhere all the time. The communities, you know what I mean? Like, so the lifestyle attracted us here and it just, we just never left. And so we, once we sold our house, that's what we did was we moved here. And, and um, this is, we raised our family pretty much like five minutes away from my wife's uh, sister and her kids. And, and uh, we love it out here. It's amazing. Well, so your wife's sister's out there? Yeah, my wife's sister's out here. And then actually her parents ended up like following us out here because we're like, oh, that's nice. we want to move, but we don't really know where yet. And they're like, well, when you do, let us know because you're, you're not taking on the grandkids across the country without us. And so they were happy that we moved here closer to her, her sister because of, um, she has three kids, so. Why'd you buy that Porsche Taycan? Like, was were you thinking about it? Like, what was the story behind that? It's a good question. Yeah. Well, let me just start with this. Um, I think a lot of us who grew up in a maybe less than desirable situation, for me, it was in a, I, I didn't come like from dirt or anything like that. Like I grew up in a mobile home park and um, people who drove cars like that were, they obviously scammed somebody, right? Like that was the mentality, at least from the people around me. And so it took took me a lot of overcoming that I deserved that to get it. And actually what what made me realize that I deserved to buy that car is number one, because I, I want it. And anybody watching this who wants something that has the money to buy it, you should get it. You deserve it. Yeah. And so uh, long story short, at the end of the year, we had allocated profits not owner pay, but like just pure 10% profit of the entire year. And I was looking at the distribution of profit. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. I could actually probably go buy this car. And, and then I started to think, well, how can I do this? Like, I didn't even really have plans to buy it, to be honest. Like I was looking for an SUV for my wife and we were going to get an Escalade mm -hmm. or something like big where we could write it off. 
And then they came out and said, Hey, you want to check this car out? This car's 6,000 pounds. And I have, I have the car on my vision board in my room. And I like, I had no idea that I was actually going to buy it, but, um, long story short, I got in it and they're like, yeah, it qualifies for the deduction. My accountant says you need a pretty significant write-off this year. He's like, you can either buy a property. I'm like, you know what? Like I'm going to treat myself. So I ended up buying the car and, uh, it'll afford us a nice tax deduction for the business. Oh yeah, bro. I yeah. love it. Yeah, man. Um, where can people find out more about you? So you can check me out on Instagram, um, Michael McDonald REI, or check out my website. I've got a website up. It's uh, thevirtualmillionaires.com. And uh, yeah, you can check me out there. And obviously, I have a podcast. The lighting is not so hot in this here today, but it's uh, the Virtual Millionaire Show. And um, yeah, got a show on how to help real estate investors start and scale their their business. All right, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. What would be your parting words to the people who are listening? Man, I think this is pretty straightforward. I think we talked about it a lot in this podcast and that's just decide. Just commit. If you want if you want it bad enough, you you can you can have it. So just decide yeah. and, and 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 do whatever it takes to to make it happen. Bro, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It was great to have you. Oh, and so you want people to go to your website to reach you, right? No Instagram, nothing. Yeah. So I, I, um, either way works. Uh, Michael McDonald REI on Instagram or yeah, the virtual millionaires, but yeah, send me a DM, uh, send me a DM. Let's connect. And we'd love to help anybody out. We're, we're dispositioning properties nationally as well. We have a, uh, software, you know, big buyers list. And so we can definitely help on, uh, moving some deals too. So. I love it, dude. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks, Strap. Appreciate it, man.